Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning, portion of Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, we hear again these words. Jesus said, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This is the word of our God. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the hockey coach approached Mr. Schultz, big smile on his face. He said, I've got some great news for you. Jeremy has been bumped up. He has made the A-team. Mr. Schultz smiled. He said, wonderful, great. What do we have to do? What does this involve? And the coach said, well, uh, it's certainly going to involve more practice time. And uh, you're going to have to upgrade Jeremy's equipment to be able to play at that level. And there's going to be more travel. Mr. Schultz was still smiling at this point. He said, doesn't seem like much of a problem to me. But the coach wasn't finished. The coach said, also, games and tournaments are going to take place on Sunday mornings and afternoons instead of on Saturdays. Mr. Schultz stopped smiling. He said, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Jeremy's not going to be able to be on the A-team. The coach was confused. What are you talking about? This is a great opportunity, a wonderful honor. Mr. Schultz explained, well, you see, we are a Christian family, and we spend our Sunday mornings in God's house hearing and studying the word of our Savior. I'm, I'm sorry, we just won't be able to be involved. At this point, the coach was really agitated, and he said, can't you just skip or something? Mr. Schultz looked the coach directly in the eye and said, absolutely not. You know, we love hockey. It's a great game. We've had a lot of fun playing hockey. But Jesus, our Savior, comes first. Mr. Schultz then walked out of the locker room, leaving a coach with a frown on his face and a roster spot to fill. That little story illustrates an important truth that we have before us in God's Word this morning. Jesus is our top priority, isn't he? Jesus comes first. And the few verses of Luke's gospel before us today remind us why our Lord Jesus comes first. Number one, he demands it. He demands first place. And number two, he deserves that place. Our gospel reading today began with the statement that Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. It was Jesus going up to Jerusalem, a very determined Savior, knowing that he was going to be handed over to his enemies and tortured and crucified. But all of that was okay because that's why he came. That was his mission. And so he went there resolutely. He would allow nothing to stop him from going to the cross and saving the world. Jesus put saving precious souls at the top of his priority list. Well, while they were on the way up to Jerusalem, Jesus and his disciples encountered three different men. The first one, Matthew tells us, was a lawyer, a teacher of the law. And this is what he said to Jesus. I will follow you wherever you go. Seemingly for this man, no sacrifice would be too great, no hardship would be too difficult. You would think Jesus would have responded, Great! Glad to have you aboard. Instead, Jesus spoke a rather solemn warning. Foxes have dens, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So forget about the luxury of having your own home to go to at night, which even wild animals have. 
Following Jesus was going to mean constantly moving from place to place to place while having no real place of your own. In essence, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, then you have to give up your creature comforts. You have to put material things on the back burner. Spiritual things must have top priority. Jesus is the one who made contact with the next man. He said to him, follow me. And the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. I want you to notice that this man nowhere indicates that his father was already dead. In fact, in those days in Israel, they did not embalm their dead. So if this guy's father was really dead, he probably would have already been engaged in burying him. It was their custom to bury someone who had died the very same day. In fact, often within just an hour or two, they would be buried. So it seems that this man really wasn't concerned about doing that. He was just kind of making an excuse. Jesus, who of course can see all this better than we can, who can read hearts, said this to the man. He said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. In other words, let those who are spiritually dead, let unbelievers bury the physically dead. You need to be concerned with making people spiritually alive through the good news about me. You go and preach the gospel. The third man in the series of three comes to Jesus with a seemingly very reasonable request. He says, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Now, there's biblical precedent for this, right? We just heard it this morning. Elijah granted Elijah the courtesy of going back and saying goodbye to his family. But this is what Jesus said to the man. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So a farmer plowing his field, if he is distracted, if he's not looking where he's plowing, if he's looking all over at other things, isn't going to plow a straight row, and that's going to be a problem. Similarly, if someone is not focused on Jesus Christ and his word of truth, that person is not going to be very much use in the kingdom. Now again, we have to ask, why did Jesus say this to this man who, who just seemed to have a very reasonable request? Again, we have to remember that Jesus doesn't just look at how things appear on the outside. Jesus goes deep. Jesus looks into the heart. He knew that this man was really making an excuse. He was going to go away and not really follow Jesus. It seems that this man put his family before his Lord. So, in these three little accounts, as Jesus has contact with these men, did it seem to you that perhaps, just perhaps, Jesus was a little bit hard, a little bit harsh with them? Well, I, I think that's accurate, actually. And I think for very good reason, because you see, the harsh reality is that there is so much in this world that draws our attention away from Jesus and away from the gospel and tempts us to put him second, third, fourth place in our lives after other things. Let me give you a couple of practical examples. I think for many people today, career, having a nice home, having nice things, these things can very easily take priority and also for us as well. I think this is a problem also with many parents today. Uh, instead of focusing on the kids and raising them uh, and especially carrying out their job to raise them in the training and instruction of the Lord, they're focused on that job, on that career, on working those hours, on paying for the big house and the cars and the boat and all those kinds of things. 
Spiritual matters are kind of an afterthought if they're thought of at all. I guess what I'm saying is that there are too many households today that are physically prosperous but spiritually destitute. And I think we need to ask ourselves a hard question. How often do you talk about the Lord Jesus and about his word? How often do you pray to him and hear his word in your own home? I know I don't like the answer that I often have to give to that question. Or just consider, friends, how we use our money. Do our personal budgets really reflect that Jesus Christ is number one priority in our lives? Why is our congregation, like so many others, tens of thousands of dollars behind? And that, by the way, a congregation that has no mortgage, no capital debt whatsoever. Well, it's because we spend too extravagantly. It's because we have too many called workers. It's because of all those deadbeats who don't give a dime. Okay, could it perhaps also be because what we put into the collection plate could sometimes be described as last fruits instead of first fruits? Could it be that our offerings are sometimes what's left over after the bills have been paid and the fund has been financed and the fridge has been filled? Could it be that often we place that offering into the plate with less than cheerful hearts filled with thanksgiving for our Lord and his blessings? I had a seminary professor who was fond of saying this. He said, God will put up with many things in a human heart, but second place is not one of them. My friends, we have to admit that sometimes we put our Lord Jesus first only when it's easy, only when it's convenient, only when it doesn't cost too much. And this is not only a shame, it's sin. And like all sin, it earns for us a place in the fiery furnace of hell. Jesus deserves better from us. Jesus deserves first place in our hearts and our lives. He deserves it because of his almighty power. He deserves it because he created the entire universe, including each and every one of us. He deserves it because simply he is true God. But my friends, he deserves it for another and I would say an even more important reason. Listen to what the Apostle Peter wrote in his first epistle. Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Just think of that, my friends. Every mixed-up priority, every moment where we have failed to put Christ first, every offering of leftovers, every misspent minute, every last one of our sins in thoughts and desires, in words and deeds, Jesus carried the whole sordid, ugly mess to the cross. He carried an entire world's worth of sins on his shoulders. And he shed that oh-so-priceless blood to pay for every last bit of it. And that selfless sacrifice of our Lord Jesus, my friends, accomplishes two things for us. First of all, it heals us, as Peter says, quoting up from Isaiah. It heals us of that dreaded disease, that fatal disease called sin. It drives from us, it eradicates from us the cancer of our guilt. And so it causes our God now to look down from heaven and smile upon us and forgive us. 
And secondly, that selfless love of our Lord Jesus that sent him to the cross for us, it lights a fire under us, doesn't it? It energizes, empowers, and motivates us to do what Peter says here, to die to sins and live for righteousness. It empowers us to say no to our own selfish wants and desires and instead to put first the will and the word of our Savior Jesus Christ. To die to sin. Maybe you've seen a movie or a TV show that has as a central plot point its storyline follows the mafia, the Italian mob. And usually in these stories there, there's some family friction that goes on. Usually there's some sort of mob boss, some high up in the family, the godfather, whatever you want to call him. And he's upset with some member of the family. And he says something like this to him, Vinny, you're dead to me. Now he says that because Vinny has done something to bring shame on the family, whatever that may be. And so he says, you're dead to me, which essentially means you're out of the family. I want nothing to do with you anymore. It's as if you were dead and buried. My friends, Jesus Christ died on the cross to take away all of our sins and to empower us to say, sin, you're dead to me. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. When Christ came out of that tomb on the third day, he was done with sin. He had nothing to do with sin ever again. He rose to a new and victorious life. Brothers and sisters, by our baptisms, we are empowered for just such a new life. A life that wants nothing to do with sin anymore. A life of making Christ's priorities our own priorities. Now, what does this look like practically, where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, where we live our lives? Well, it means using our time first to serve our Savior. And that means setting aside time for his word and worship, right? For doing what we're doing right now, sitting before him in God's house, hearing his word. For studying that word with fellow believers, for hearing it in our own homes as we read our Bibles and have devotions with our families. Living that new life for Christ means that we use our talents first for him. And of course, that does mean using our gifts for service here in the congregation, volunteering our, our talents to be used in the congregation, giving of our energy and effort. But it also means simply using the gifts and abilities God has given us, the strength that he's given us to serve our families, to serve our neighbors, to serve our communities. Putting Christ as our top priority means using our treasure to serve him first. And that means that that first generous portion of every paycheck comes off the top and it's dedicated to him as an offering of thanks to him to bring him glory and to support the ministry of his gospel. My friends, we do all of these things cheerfully, joyfully, in love for our Savior to show that he's our top priority, that he comes first, that we fear, love, and trust in him above all things. And I know what you're thinking, Pastor, I don't always do that. Jesus doesn't always come first in my life with my time and talent and treasure. And I hear you. 
because I have the same problem. We fail in this regard, don't we? Every moment of every day. And so, my friends, that's when we run. We don't walk, we run back to the baptismal font and the communion table and the word of our God and the cross for the assurance that our gracious Savior still loves and still forgives sinners like you and me. There's a shirt that's worn by many hockey fans that has three words on it. Eat, sleep, hockey. And by the way, there are shirts like this for all kinds of other sports and activities. Eat, sleep, football. Eat, sleep, camping. Eat, sleep, crocheting. Whatever it may be. And the point of wearing such a shirt is to say, hey, I'm a real fan. I'm really into hockey. That's what we do. Now, I suppose it's kind of cute, right? But if those priorities are real priorities, how sad. Maybe we should all have a shirt that says, Jesus, Jesus, only Jesus. And maybe underneath in printed, little printed letters, everything else is just details. God grant us just such an attitude. God grant that in everything we think and say and do, we put our Savior Jesus Christ first. And why? Because his grace put us first and saved us. Thanks be to him forever and ever. Amen.